With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now. And if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Hey, Score North listeners, it's Phil Mackey here. And starting Monday, September 23rd and running through Friday, September 27th, we at Score North are raising money to feed and change the lives of Twin Cities homeless. We're calling it Score North's Mission for Meals, supporting the Union Gospel Mission Shelter in St. Paul. We're auctioning off some awesome sports-related packages, including Twins playoff tickets with luxury transportation to the ballpark, a gopher football tunnel experience, a Vikings-Packers package, also live show sit-ins with Glenn Perkins, Alex Boone, and a lot more. Money raised will go directly into helping transform the lives of Twin Cities homeless. Scorenorth.com slash mission for meals is where you can see all the packages. That's scorenorth.com slash mission for meals. Or if you just want to donate, you can go to the same website. A dollar ninety six provides a meal and shelter for a homeless person. Scorenorth.com slash mission for meals. Brought to you by North Memorial Health, where customers are treated like family. That means a big smile when you walk in the door and making sure your visit is as pleasant as possible. Just like your family treats you. Find your health family at northmemorial.com slash family. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. I think every team's different. For us, it might be that might be the key, you know. But, you, you know, you still have... You know, you stop the run, you still got to be able to rush the passer, and I think we have some guys that can rush the, rush the passer. And, you know, we're running the ball so well today that, you know, we're popping 8, 9, 10 yards, 12 yards. And, um, you know, when you do that, it makes it a little more conducive to sticking with it. So, you know, they won't all be like that. You know, Chicago will be very difficult to run the football on, I'm sure. But, um, you know, we're going we're gonna to go in there and give it a shot. All right, welcome into Purple Daily. That was Mike Zimmer there, and uh, I have to say, it's Matthew Collar, Sage Rosenfeld. Sage, we're on to Chicago, man. We're on to Chicago. That's, that's where that's we're at. That's my statement. We that's are right. on to Chicago. That's my statement. Because that game yesterday is hardly worth breaking down. It's hardly worth going through moment by moment. Did they make the right play call? Did they have the right scheme? All those things that we usually break down. Kirk Cousins, what do we think of him in the muddy pocket or something like it? None of that matters. The Raiders just simply did not show up. They gave the Vikings everything they could have dreamed of for chances to just blow them out, and the Vikings were happy to oblige, and now it's all about, in my mind, how they're going to look against the Chicago Bears. Yeah, the Raiders did not show up. You know, I I actually could not watch this game live, and so I end up uh, watching it later. But I was checking on it live on Twitter, and it was twenty-one to nothing right away. And I was like, "Oh, it's it's like week one." Mm-hmm. 
you know, where uh, it's going to be a situation where they have an early lead. However, that happened as I as I scroll back on Twitter and see the things that occurred. But uh, a dominating performance, and you know, a week ago after a crappy loss, uh, to which really most of the team played pretty well, but the quarterback did not. Uh, and it sort of felt like this sometimes like the sky's falling mm-hmm. a, a little bit. And all of a sudden this week it's like, okay, we have two, we're two and one and two of the wins are blowouts. You're basically over by halftime. And I tell you what, that this is something they are good at. Uh, getting the lead and then just, you know, what they say, stepping on someone's neck. There's all these phrases of, uh, uh, you know, going for the jugular or whatever it might be. They're all but, very uh, you know, violent because they, they get Yeah, it's all violent, terrible. But they get these leads where the defense is so good that the pass rush is better than last year. Uh, I think we both agree on that. Daniil's just a monster over there and ever since having one heck of a year so far. Defense is playing well. That running game is has completely changed this entire football team. And it's made them where they can win games, not play perfect football, uh, and the quarterback doesn't have to be a superman. And uh, Dalvin Cook, uh, super impressive again. The offensive line, very impressive in that running game stuff. Again, there were some monster holes for him and Alexander Madison to run through, and it was just an overall dominating performance. So uh, I, I will say this. I'd like to talk about some of the guys that played well, and then we can move on to Chicago if you want to. Or I'm not sure how you want to do the show today because well, there there is a lot of good in this ball game and there's also some bad. I wasn't being super super serious when I said that we can't talk about this. It's just that I felt like the Raiders played such abysmal version of football yesterday that when I walked out of the stadium, I felt like I know nothing more today than I knew walking into the stadium about the Minnesota Vikings. What I do know is that the Oakland Raiders do not have their quarterback for sure for the future because their car is horrendous. And that they're in a really tough spot because they did a bunch of stuff this offseason to improve that roster, and they're still a complete disaster. That, well, they that, got all these young draft picks. Well, you know, they gave up some of their best players. Uh, you know, they Amari Cooper, all right, uh, you know, they got a first-rounder for him. Obviously, the two for uh, uh, Khalil Mack in Chicago. So this is, you know, th- this is a 10-year, $100 million contract for their coach. So rebuilding mode has a very long uh, string or whatever. Mm-hmm. So this is not going to be over quickly like you know Arizona coach last year gets fired after one season. So they're in it for the long haul, but they are finding pieces. You know, Darren Waller, by the way, that tight end, I'd love to have him on the Vikings, right? He, he would, He's a very, very good player. They got some players over there, but they don't have a full football team yet, in particular because they got rid of two of their best players who were first-rounders that were playing great football, but they, they're truly going for the future. We'll see if it works. We'll see if that works out, but they're – they're not a great team. They looked pretty good first game of the year. I, I thought they looked good. They, they had a home game, and uh, and got a nice win. And then and then you know they really looked bad yesterday. So Carr seems to have you know you see his numbers twenty seven to thirty four. He completes a high, it's like Rich Gannon style, but somehow it's like it's not winning football for whatever reason. Well, right? so, when you think you, that there are, are people around you and aren't, and throw it right to Harrison Smith, that was the losing football moment. I don't, yeah, Carr. yeah, it's, it's the key mistakes, mm-hmm. right? You know, and I think you know Carr had some good seasons, but he got paid a, a, some, a huge contract. I believe it was 5 for 125 um, because of he had uh, really good numbers. And he had one one really good season early on, but the you know good season... Good numbers, and you know maybe it's he's had there's a Kirk Cousins thing there, 
where if you look back and just look at the stats, you can go, oh, the numbers look good. He's a really, really good quarterback. Uh, but that doesn't always mean that you win football games by just putting up, you know, pretty good stats. Yeah, I had the same exact thought that yesterday's Derek Carr was like a stat line for Kirk Cousins in a loss last year where he gets 240 yards and it has a good quarterback rating, but didn't actually play very well. And that was Derek Carr, although his tight end had a great game, but dropped the one pass that he absolutely needed to catch to keep the Raiders in the game. And I was actually. My feeling when he dropped that was, okay, all right, Oakland has no interest in, in winning this game today. But let's do that. Let's. I've got some questions for you about Chicago and about going forward here. But let's start with just going through this and looking at who played well. I'm going to start with Irv Smith. Uh, Sage, Absolutely. Yep. Three catches, 60 yards, not even the entire story from Irv Smith, who has shown early on that he can be a pretty good run blocker. And, of course, I had no idea what to expect coming into this season with a rookie tight end. I think that's a lot to ask. He's not one of the bigger tight ends in terms of just his height and arm length and weight and all that. And yet he has shown some grittiness to his game in the run blocking and yesterday showed that run-after-catch ability, which is why they decided to draft him. And I think right now, even though they are very short on wide receivers with Chad Beebe getting hurt, they're still in a pretty good spot in terms of their weapons. Diggs uh, hasn't gotten going yet, but Thielen and Rudolph can still make plays. And then Delvin Cook out of the backfield, adding Irv Smith, it's kind of a key piece to whether this passing game ultimately can be explosive or not. Listen, you know, last offseason when we were talking about what the Vikings needed and then when Kubiak got hired, and obviously my long relationship with Stefanski and sort of knowing what type of offense they were looking for. Uh, remember when Kevin would say the last three games of the year or when he got hired, we want to play complementary football. And, like, what does that mean and, you know, this, that, and the other? But it really means we know what we have as a team. We have this good defense over here. We've got some good players in offense. We've got this running back. Let's play this style that whether whatever stats they put up, does it or does it not, not win football games? And, you know, one of those things for me was last year I thought the Vikings were in way too much three-wide receiver. And this two tight end stuff, having two tight ends, having somebody else, you know, as Kyle Rudolph gets older and he just can't get down the field vertically as much, um, and to get another guy who can be a vertical threat. Because when he catches the ball, I'll tell you, he's an explosive guy, yeah. Irv Smith Jr. He is explosive, and he can cut it back, and, and he's good on the naked stuff. And in a sense, he is the third wide receiver. And that's what that second tight end is. If it's an athletic guy, uh, you know, if you could have a starter like Tony Gonzalez, great. But you know, if you're if you're sort of number one guy, which I guess is Rudy, uh, is not that burner. You need the other guy to be more of a burner. And I, I I'm impressed about how quickly he moves and how he gets on the field. And he has added another element to this passing game. That, but it also helps the running game because having those two tight ends, you you see them on their play actions, on their bootlegs, and, and also just in that outside zone game. You know, we're not seeing a lot of penetration in the running game. What we're seeing is, you know, bad runs or twos and threes and fours. Occasionally they'll have a sort of a screw-up, but for the most part they're these positive runs. Well, think about the job of those tackles, whether it's to the left or to the right. When they're in a running game thing, and uh, running game play, and they have to go at a defensive end by themselves, that is not easy. So you put a tight end next to them, and the both of them together work through with the double team on that defensive end, who's a heck of an athlete, and they work their way up to the next level, to a safety or to a linebacker, whatever it might be. 
but that helps out that tackle play better in the running game as well. So when you have two tight ends on both sides, you can run both ways, you can do play action both ways, you, they throw screens off the play action sometimes. That second tight end position, I think, in this style of offense is hugely important and has, had, has, has added another element to this Vikings offense that I think will be uh, will, will pay dividends down the line. Well, and I think a lot of it is about just who Irv Smith is and in, in his talent level because if he came in and didn't care much for those details on double teams or when it came to blocking or selling the run, then I don't think that they would be able to have much success with him as so the number is, two tight end. So this is my thing when you play for Nick Saban. All right. One, I think a lot of times those guys get beat up pretty good in college. I think they have very physical fa- uh, practices at Alabama. And it is a little bit of a factory where it's just sort of like, you know what, I get you for three or four years and then you move on. But they, they have very physical spring and, and fall practices. But you know they're going to be well coached. You know their assistant coaches are basically going to be guys that are, a lot of them are probably in the NFL. Uh, but they pay as well as the NFL at, at Alabama. So, and you know, obviously they, they have a, such a high expectation to be national championship. So there's, there's just a high, probably a higher level of toughness. Uh, and I think some of the X's and O's stuff. Saban, Saban does know his stuff. For a college football coach, he does have like an NFL uh, sort of X's and O's mentality and the detail. And that's what I think one of the things that sets him apart. But, you know, going through that basically pro style system in college, like what the University of Iowa does with Kirk Ferentz, really does help out sort of offensive linemen and tight ends to come and play right away uh, as an NFL tight end. Yeah, I didn't expect to see some of the quality blocking plays that he's made. And even there are small things that I noticed when looking at the film of week one, where I thought he also was very good in the run blocking and just like angling his body properly, not just approaching a defender kind of with his hands out, like I'm going to block you, but more of taking an actual approach. If you want to get really football-y, sinking the hips a little bit, angling his body to where Delvin Cook is supposed to go, things like that, that I'm, you know, when you see a, a rookie tight end, you don't know whether they're going to be able to translate some of those things. Um, and, and I think it's a great point that when you come from Alabama, there's probably more of a focused, almost an NFL-style focus on the details, and you can see that with him. I think he might be kind of a swingman, Sage, to whether they can make this passing game work. I mean, the running game, it helps a lot, like you mentioned, uh, the pass setting up the run with the personnel. But in terms of the passing game, to be able to dump it off on a screen to Irv Smith and have him run for 25 yards is such a huge deal for Kirk Cousins to me. Coming into the season, we haven't seen it a ton, but I thought it was very important that they improve the screen game from last year because those are free yards. They're easy. You just give it to somebody else and they run forever, and then it says that you threw for 25 yards in the box score. Right? Well, I mean, screens, it's like a glorified yeah, run. So my first uh, preseason game I ever played, Washington, we're playing at Kansas City. Mario Schottheimer returns to Kansas City not too long after he leaves. And I was so nervous, and I was so ill-prepared to be playing an NFL game at that time, I felt like, that I was just, like, they just kept throwing me screens. I was like 7 <laughs> of, you know, 16 or something, but like five of those completions were just screens because, like, just get the quarterback an easy completion. And screen game is about a lot of things. you got to have a certain right type of defense that likes to rush, rush hard. It certainly you know, helps slow them down. Um, but uh, you ha- but if it's executed properly with timing, with the sell by the tight end, but also the timing with the lineman and, and the technique of the lineman of how 
versus different rushes or even blitzes, what's the best way to sort of maneuver through that and, and get the D lineman out of the way, but also work your way downfield and like where the running back should go. So there's, it is a, it's a, it's more precise than people actually think. Uh, if the guard gets out first or the guard or the center, whoever's second or whatever, it's, it actually is a pretty interesting sort of science, this screen game. We saw Kyle Rudolph, he had, what do you have, 20 yarder in that game? I feel like down to like the two yard line or something. It was a, just a play action screen and, and having a, you know, two tight ends that, uh, can, can do those things and, and having that screen game help out the play action game, also help out that outside zone game. It's just sort of another element to this style of offense that the, that the Vikings are currently running. You gave Kyle a little too much credit. 11-yard catch for Kyle oh, well, Rudolph was the only know, one for him. I guess it's a timing of a 20-yard catch by Irving <laughs> Smith, probably. That's there. I apologize well, for that, Rudy. I don't, no offense. Maybe, maybe it was. That's funny. Maybe it was 20 total yards he ran if they threw a screen behind the line of scrimmage. There you go. That, that, you that might have been You it. can make it right. Uh, all right, so Irv Smith uh, was way, my... I tell you, I tell you what. What's interesting about these the Vikings so far this year, and remember last year we would talk about on our podcast – you know, the, our receivers breaking these records is not a good thing. We look at it as great that Adam Thielen had whatever it was, nine straight games of 100 yards, but, you know, they weren't necessarily winning those football games. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love all these skill position players on this Vikings team. They all do different things, and, and really all four running backs have different things I think they do well, and I think this coaching staff is doing a nice job with them. Uh, but you, you, we're not going to see the numbers by Thielen and Stephon Diggs, I don't think, that we saw last year, and maybe that's – a good thing for this, again, complimentary football of what this offense and defense are trying to do together to win football games. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree. When they were down by two scores, when it's 22-6 to six in Chicago, and then Cousins puts up a bunch of numbers, I mean, what, what does it matter? It was just like Derek Carr yesterday. He's down in the game. Matt Ryan threw for 300 in week one, but it doesn't mean anything. Yeah, I mean, 27-34, 242, 7.1 average, two touchdowns, one pick. Yeah, Looks like you played great. Game. You yeah. know, I say Rosenfeld would take that game every time, and you know, it was a, a three-score loss. You know, a three-touchdown loss. So, yeah, and that's um, but that's the thing of that stats are you know stats can very much lie, and uh, which is why liars use stats. <laughs> well, I think that that's why uh, smarter people find ways to analyze those stats properly. And if you look at his QBR, Derek Carr's yesterday, um, that's the one to a hundred system that grades you kind of based on game situation too and how you performed. His was a twenty-two, and Kirk's was an eighty-seven. So. Interesting. Uh, Cousins, by that metric, played really well, and Derek Carr, and that was a more accurate depiction. And then by the PFF grades also, and you combine it all to kind of get your answer. But uh, yeah, I, by the way, let, let's talk about Kirk. Played really well. Very, really happy. Played well. He needed a comeback game. Uh, you know, he was in the right situation. He didn't have to sort of carry the team. But you know, early on, he was pretty dang sharp. Uh, hit some, made some really good throws. Uh, you know, I, I, there were some mistakes. You know, there, there was a screen that he threw to a, I was a wide receiver screen that the defensive end almost intercepted. Could've, yeah, could have been a pick. That uh, it seems like there's like one of those a game mm-hmm. that just like just sort of you know uh, just gives you about a heart attack. And, and, and is that sometimes... because he's given something away? I mean, you're totally I right. No, I that. was. I was looking at that technique, you know, on those wide receiver screens like that. He sort of catches the ball. He sort of like looks down for a second and then just sort of throws it out there. And I was wondering if there was something that he could do. I, I was at Iowa State uh, game a couple of weeks ago, and they had a screen very much like that where they caught it and they, like, fake sweep to the right in a hard action and then came back left. 
and just to do something other than sort of catch it and throw it out to the wide receiver. So I, I don't know. I, I think that uh, uh, that does seem to happen, though. Uh, you know, every once in a while is you know some D lineman almost catching a, a wide receiver screen. Right, because the defensive end didn't even pretend to rush the passer. He seemed to know right from the very beginning what was coming there. Well, um, it's also it's the jo- listen. It's the job of the left tackle. What they say, get their hands down, and you know, it's basically a pass set. And as they rush, you just sort of dive at their you know midsection or their knees basically sure, and yeah. cut them. And they did that, but the, the, he did not fall for it. That's where that, that's why they do these drills. These D linemen, linebackers, they do these drills where they roll, you know, a big heavy ball at these guys to protect their, when they see something coming, they drop their hands down and protect themselves from the cut. And then boom, they can jump up and, and try to knock that ball down. And that's exactly what he did. So that, you know, that, I would say that was good defensive play and not great job of the left tackle and, and less on Kirk Cousins. But aside from that, Cousins had a great game, I thought. I mean, he made the throws that he needed to make, and it's very similar to Week 1 where he only had to throw 10 passes, but he did a really good job. He was pressured less in this one than he was the previous two weeks, and that helped a lot. But he executed the throws that he was supposed to make. And yep. No, he did a nice job. And he, Listen, that arm strength is legit, and it, when his accuracy is pretty dang good. It's pretty legit, too. So I, I thought he did a really nice job. Overall, in that game, they were rarely in the third and crazy longs. You know, they're not getting sacked as much, and that's that's of course that's all that stuff is important. So just staying on track, just staying on sort of the slow and steady. And he did a nice job in that game. So and, you know, the offensive line did a better job. Um, you know, there were still some issues there. Brad Barry still struggling here and there. Got a, a holding penalty, I believe, on on, on a running mm-hmm. play. Yep. Uh, Dalvin Cook is impressive. I don't know how many yards he's going to run for this year, but it might be. It, it, at, at this pace, he's he's got to be two, over two thousand, right? I mean, he's you know three straight games of one hundred and ten yards and a touchdown. Not many backs, looks like five backs have done that in the last so many years. So he's he's having he's such an explosive player. I love what Madison's doing. Uh, and Mike Boone got a little action in that yeah. game. Nice yeah, to see guy, him get a good your run. Guy Mike Boone. Right, yeah, my guy Mike Boone. So, you know, let's just bring up Sean Mannion. Nice job. Good job. <laughs> two carries minus two yards. Way to do your job. Got to get your name in the paper. All right. That's um, right. He's, so. in the, he's in the box score. Yes. That, defensively, defensively, Kendricks, man. It, it just seems like there's a lot of runs where it looks like there's a hole, and Kendricks is standing right in it, and it's a one-yard gain, and yep. he just stops him in his tracks. He is impressive. Eric Wilson, I would say the, the MVP of that football game. Uh, he was all over the place, and he has had a, you know, he's, he's sort of a guy that people have looked at as maybe the you know, second, third, you know, linebacker has worked his way up into I, I think a, a fantastic game yesterday. He was he led the team in tackles. Thought he played extremely well. So you know, Harrison Smith always in the right place, always the right time. Mm-hmm. Just sort of yep. you know, of course, makes another interception. Uh, he played good in this football game. Everson Griffin I thought played well. Uh, I, I like the way Anthony Harris is playing. Continue to play good, solid football. So uh, I, I, there's some good football being played out there. Uh, and, and, and nice to see Mike Hughes. He, he came in had three tackles. So uh, th- this team is is playing well. It's playing well. The, the, the sky did not fall last week, and if they go to Chicago and lose this week, the sky's still not falling. Uh, it's a long season. It's a it's a, a marathon. It's not a sprint. Well, I think that that was the thing that was so frustrating about the game against Green Bay is that most players on that uh, field played pretty well for the Vikings. It was the quarterback who gave the game away, which makes you think that that's what's going to happen uh, in big games going forward. Well, I, we'll have to see. I tell you what, though, Green Bay Packers three and zero. Yeah, they're three no, they're a good team. 
rookie head coach and that defense played well again. That's a that's a good football team. So, uh, you know, the Vikings are going to have to play better, uh, obviously at home next time they play them. But this is going to be a good race in, in Chicago. Of course, they think they they still got it and they're trying. They're looking for answers over there. They play tonight, right? So, uh, that should be a really really good game next week. And and we are going to be there. Is that correct? We are. Yeah, I wasn't sure what your status was, but our uh, journeyman reporter will be on the road in Chicago. I will be on the road corresponding, uh, flying in Friday. Get to you know spend some. My my old agent is in town, so maybe I'll stop in the office, uh, and then I'll be at the. Uh, well, shoot, probably uh, I got to find an Iowa State bar in Chicago uh, because that's the 11 a.m. game. The Cyclones play against the Baylor Bears. Which you a, we had a deep dish guy. Uh, I'm an everything that's good guy, so you know I don't. Okay. If it's good, I'll, I'll eat it. So we'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll see where I end up. Um, and then, uh, yeah, then the game on Sunday should should be a good one. So I'm looking forward to. And I'm actually going to stay in Chicago for a couple of days afterwards until Tuesday. Nice. So uh, I, you know, so I do a radio show talking about Mitchell Trubisky. So I'm going to go in studio there in Chicago on Tuesday and and uh, talk about Mitchell Trubisky's performance. So uh, I, I I watch all his games and all his snaps and and see a lot of his positives and see a lot of his negatives and. And uh, he he can play really really good football, but man, he also you think sometimes Vikings fans have been frustrated with Cousins. I mean, Chicago fans are definitely frustrated uh, with the weird numbers that he puts up uh, in Chicago. Well, we will be able to uh, break down his game tonight with you on Wednesday. You're always here Monday and Wednesdays, and uh, I'm looking forward to your your second run at being a real reporter. You did a great job at the combine, so like, all right, let's give Sage more chances to be an actual reporter man. Um, so our our what did we call you our journeyman correspondent journeyman correspondent yeah, journeyman correspondent we made a graphic for it too you made a, I, I liked that graphic it was a nice graphic. <laughs> we'll bring it's it me, back me like holding a microphone in my one of my nfl it, uniforms it, yes instead of a football we put a microphone there um i would just like to point out before we go to break that sean Mannion got a 60.5 was his grade for those two plays by See, PFF. do your job so imp- important analysis D-Y-J, uh, do your job let's i got a couple of scenarios to run by you as we move on to chicago so let's talk about those when we come back it's sort of like how are we going to feel if dot 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 when we return sage rosenfels matthew collar you're listening to purple daily here on score north north memorial health has over 400 care providers that's right more than 400 care providers and more than 6,000 team members that are dedicated to keeping you healthy north memorial health is proud to partner with the minnesota vikings as they work to make minnesota the healthiest in the league They're more than a team at North Memorial Health. They're your family. At North Memorial Health, customers are treated like family. Your health family is more than a tagline. It's a commitment to delivering unmatched customer service. That means a big smile when you walk in the door. That means making sure your visit is as pleasant as possible. It means asking, what else can we do for you? North Memorial Health will treat you like family in a good way. The people at North Memorial Health will team up with you to help you achieve your best health. So step up your health care game today and find your health family at northmemorial.com slash family. Once again, that's northmemorial.com slash family. Join Dan Terhar and myself this Wednesday night for Minnesota United and Sporting KC with pregame at 6.30, kickoff at 7, right here on Score North on AM 1500, scorenorth.com, and the free Score North mobile app. It's not going to be a, you know, walk in there and have a 21-point lead at halftime. I just don't think it'll be play out like that. They're going to, uh, they have excellent players across the whole defense, an excellent scheme, and we'll have our hands full. And uh, it's really what the NFC North, and, and when people think Vikings, Bears, NFC North, I think that's the kind of game you're going to get. You know, we're looking forward to it.
I think it's hilarious that even the players were on to Chicago after yesterday. They were all like, man, thanks for coming, Oakland. What a waste of jet fuel for Oakland. Like, can you imagine what that did to our environment to send the Oakland Raiders here? <laughs> they did not play well. I, I was, I said, I was surprised. I um, thought they would play well, and 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 uh, said you, again, you look at Carr's numbers going to the game. You're like, you know, he actually puts up pretty good numbers here, and then you sort of see why maybe in a lot of these football games. So uh, I don't know if they're just not a good football team, but they didn't play well the other day. So yeah, when you have a win like that, and you have a such a big game coming up. It's very, um, you know, the second half of that film, there's not a lot of uh, super important things to talk about, situations and things like that. So you sure quickly move through the film uh, and then go play a team, you know, on the road uh, that, uh, you know, last year, man, their defense was so good. And they have a ton of weapons on offense. I will say this. They, you know, I think the Vikings do as well, but they have smaller, fast guys is what they have. You know, Tariq Cohen. Mm-hmm. The running back who really has basically become a receiver in a lot of ways does a lot of jet sweeps, Taylor Gabriel reverses, as well. fake fake reverses, and, and some wheel routes and things. But they have him less in the backfield this year. I saw a stat the other day in one game. I think the first game of the year he, he played twenty five snaps, twenty one in the slot. Mm. Uh, it's sort of nods to like they play him and David Montgomery at the same time a lot. You know, so do, do, do teams go to nickel defense, which is basically what teams are doing. Uh, and trying to make that decision. So they, you know, Taylor Gabriel is extremely fast in the passing game. Uh, it, they've got some good players, and uh, you know, and I like their their tight end Trey Burton has not played very much this year. So I think that has hurt them a little bit. So, but the, the Cousins or that Cousins, but uh, um, uh, the, the quarterback uh, Trubisky, um, inaccurate down the field. He'll throw go routes five yards out of bounds. These things that just go like white, like just a long foul ball. <laughs> and shouldn't be, you know, like you, t- you know what I mean. Like shouldn't yeah. be like like cousins will miss guys on occasion, but he's you know. So we talk about his accuracy or Sam Bradford. They're not throwing go routes just five and a hitch, five yards out of bounds. You know, they're they're usually pretty close to giving the guy a chance to to catch the football. So, but then he makes some great plays because he's a very good athlete. He's a very good athlete, mostly in the shotgun. A lot of these sort of RPO things, a lot of bubbles and things out to the wide receivers, catch and throw. Um, but a little sloppy in the passing game and not great pass protection as well. So it, this could be, I think the Vikings really could, uh, I, I think the Vikings could really uh, you know, hand it to, to these Bears pretty good because uh, Trubisky has not played very well this season. Well, that leads me to exactly where I wanted to go, Sage, which is this scenario. Let's say that the Vikings go to Chicago and they beat the Chicago Bears. Mitch Trubisky doesn't play well and... Delvin Cook does his thing, they run for 150 yards, and they win by six points or something like that, let's just say. But Kirk Cousins still plays poorly. He throws a pick six, he fumbles a couple of times, he still has some troubles. It's just that Trubisky was so poor, Chicago had no chance to win. How are we supposed to feel about the Minnesota Vikings' chances? Because I think that that's a very realistic scenario, that the Bears' defense is great, and the Vikings' defense is great, and the Vikings just come out with a win. Are we supposed to feel good about the Vikings' chances if we don't see Kirk Cousins have a great game on a huge stage on the road, I mean, when, like, when does he have to do this in order for anyone to feel like they can believe this team can be great? Well, you know, if you go back to that Packers game, what if the Vikings would have won that game? You know, a couple a couple things go the other way. They they get a drive at the end, whatever happens, and they do win that football game, despite the fact that for the most part, Kirk did not play well. 
you know, do we on the radio or people who write articles or on TV, do they soften how he played because they won the football game? Or do you sort of call it is what it is, whether you won or lost, right? So uh, I, I think that's important is whether the Vikings win or whether the Vikings lose, everyone sort of gets critiqued on, on their play. And, you know, what he has to do is at some point play well against a team where he's, you know, more responsible for the Vikings winning. And until he does that, because it's just going to have to happen to win the division, uh, to get in the playoffs, there's going to be two or three games or whatever throughout the season where it's like, all right, Kurt, we're down by two scores. Our defense gave up something and our special team something, or you threw a pick. We need you to come back. And until he does that a couple times in the season and maybe in the playoffs, uh, you know, where Tom Brady has done it time and time again, dozens of times over the course of his career, uh, we're going to sit here and sort of speculate and go, you know, what is he going to be like after a win or after a loss or how he plays or whatever. Um, and by that time, his contract's going to be up. So I think you just have to play it one week at a time and, and see how he plays from week to week. And in week three, he passed a, a really important test. And, and again, it, it wasn't because he had to put the team on his back, but to come back from such a terrible game, mm-hmm. you know, to get up there. I've had to do that and say, I lost this game. We, we were good enough to win. Everyone played good enough to win. I did not. I fumbled at the end. I've done that before. It's a really crappy place to be and almost can, like, affect your next week's performance because it's, you know, man, that was a huge game for us, and I lost it. It's, it's not an easy thing to do, no matter how much money you're paid. Uh, so, you know, he came back from that with flying colors, and, and, you know, we'll see how he performs in a tough environment in Chicago on Sunday. So I think to answer your question, if they had beaten Green Bay, it would have depended on how it happened at the end of that drive. If Kirk Cousins had, let's say, made the throw to Stephon Diggs, he rolls out, he's pressured, he flings it up in the air, Diggs jumps up over that guy and makes that catch, then, of course, the way we talk about that is very different. We would have said... Cousins went on the road and had a horrendous day, but when they needed him the most, he came through, which we see from great quarterbacks all the time, where it's not the perfect game for them. Things are going wrong. You're fumbling. You've made mistakes. You're down in the game. Your defense is like perfect. It's like the, well, the Tebow effect is that. Like the guy could, could have played bad all game, but somehow in the fourth quarter, they're only down 10 to 0. And their team went on two scoring drives, and you know, like Tebow was at the end of the day was nine of twenty four, <laughs> right? Right, and, and they won. But he was yeah. so horrendous in the first <laughs> course. But there is a clutchness to Tebow's game. That that is that. That's why he's a you know quote unquote winner. That's what there's a you know to win college national championships. Championships, you have to have these clutch moments. And, uh, you know, Kirk needs more of those clutch moments, and we'll see if he, he has any the rest of the season. So I think the way we would have talked about it is that that's what you wanted to see from Kirk Cousins is when it goes bad to not let it go so bad that you fall completely out of the game where you're trying to come back or to actually come back from a really tough situation. And he had done that, you know, early last season, he had done that against Green Bay and he had done it against Philly. Now, they didn't fall behind, but he had gone into a hostile environment, so to speak, and he had shown on a big stage in a really tough place to play that he could beat the Philadelphia Eagles and play really well. I think he was well, something and- like 31 for 39. So it's not like he's completely incapable of that. But what happens way more often is that he throws the interception instead of instead of the big play. So I think that if they come away from this game where he hasn't played well, it will really depend on what that means. Like, did he make big plays at big times and just have a tough night? Or was it a complete mess that everybody had to clean up for him? Because then the feeling will not be increased confidence, even if they beat Chicago. 
Yeah, I mean, that, that makes complete sense. And, again, he, I think he just w- will see how the whole thing strings out and plays out. And, and you know, we have last year's 16 games, and, and now we've got, uh, you know, three under our belt this year. So uh, I, I'm happy he, he did, maybe didn't have to come back within the game and play, have a great drive at the end of the game and show us that. But I'm happy he came back the next week and had a, a you know a very high quality football game and said early on came out and it didn't seem like the previous weeks uh you know bad out, bad outcome uh and, and his play had an effect on him so you know to me that's passing the test as well maybe not within the game but uh from one week to the next didn't, didn't put two bad games on tape in a row it was kind of classic Kirk Cousins to have a bad game against a good team and lose it at the big time and then come back and then just stomp right over the really bad team it's yeah, what yeah. he's done pretty much for his entire career. I want to ask you, Sage, uh, about Delvin Cook, because even though it's only been three weeks, this has been building for some time, that we knew that this level of talent was there. It was just about actually being on the field for all of the games and showing your true skill uh, in a run-focused offense. And I think that today, waking up, Delvin Cook has a very strong case for being the best running back in the entire NFL. I don't think that there's a huge talent gap, uh, if any, with Saquon Barkley and the way Saquon Barkley was used last year. If Delvin had been healthy, I think he puts up those same type of numbers as Barkley did. I mean, this is a guy that, even though Mike Zimmer said today at the podium that it's a complete effort, and I totally believe him, they've built the offensive line around run blockers, and Rick Dennison is very, very smart. You've laid that out before. But the plays that Dalvin Cook can make, running through guys, making five or six tacklers miss, hitting very small gaps, reading things before they show themselves, and exploding through them. I mean, there are very few situations where I would ever say that a running back can carry an offense. But in this case, it's hard not to say it with how well Dalvin Cook has played. He's extremely impressive. I mean, he is a rare athlete that has tremendous speed and explosion through a hole. Uh, and then the ability to be powerful at the end of runs. He also, in that run, had, had a play where he had four, made four guys miss. Uh, so he has the ability to sort of stop and go and, and stop on a dime. Um, but his, his speed and his explosion is very rare. And when we go to Chicago this week, we'll watch David Montgomery run a lot and watch his style for all you listeners out there, and I want you to watch it too. He does not have that burst through the hole. His lateral movement, his what they call it, he's agile. Uh, his balance is, is, I think, very, very good. Uh, but he doesn't have the ability to, once he sees a hole, to just shoot through it, and next thing you know, he's 10 yards down the field. Or get on the edge, and you think he's going to get the corner, but next thing you know, Dalvin Cook is 12 or 13 yards down the field. I mean, he, he grabs that corner, and that's just rare to have that type of speed. And then, again, that, that power at the end of these runs, that has been impressive. Because you don't think those types of guys have that type of mm-hmm. uh, you know, power to, to, to run people over and, and fall forward and get two or three or four more yards. Um, he has been, and if he can stay healthy, uh, I've always thought this style of offense with the right back who has home run ability, um, if you can make the right cut and the line does a nice job, there are some big holes to be had. And then when you, if you can exploit them by the defense being out of their gaps and the offensive line do good, doing a good job and get through and you exploit and, and, and find a, a spot, um, there are big plays to be had. And the Vikings are doing that. And they're, and they're blocking well downfield. The wide receivers, I said, there's a, a, a high attention to detail, I think, in their running game. And then sometimes they're just, I said, they're two- and three-yard runs. 
they're nothing fancy. He sticks his head down or Madison, whoever it might be, and they're getting those short runs. Not all is lost because we can work with second and eight. You know, there's still a lot of things you can do. You can throw it, you can run it, you can throw a screen, whatever you want to do. But the negative yardage where you have penetration by the defensive linemen, they're getting up the field. Then guys like, you know, Dalvin Cook can't press the hole and boom, shoot through the hole, shoot, shoot through it and, and out the other side. So he, yeah, he's an, he's an impressive running back and there's not a lot of guys in the league. I, I, I think he's better, if he can stay healthy, I think he's better than the kid in LA, uh, with the LA Rams. Gurley, I, I, yeah. I know Gurley's a heck of a player, but I, I'd rather have Dalvin Cook. The, the ability to have a home run hitter as a tailback doesn't happen a lot because they just get beat up too much. So he's sort of a, a mix of a Porsche and occasional Jeep as well, and, and he can plow people over. Uh, we have the, you know, the Derrick Henrys, who, who also randomly has that, that crazy speed, and he's a sort of a huge guy, right? But it, it's hard to have that combination uh, of athletes, and, and he's you know, 6.9 yards per carry so far. Uh, it's it's you know he's having a tremendous season you know th- 375 yards four touchdowns and, and 57 attempts so very good start the, the question is healthy we'll see if he can go 16 games you know fully healthy or even I, I take 13 games uh, I take should I take 12 if he can play like this for 12 games this year and we only had to work with Madison who I really like as well and Mike Boone uh, and even leaving a, uh, some Amir Abdullah I'm cool with that I like all four of these running backs I think they're all. Uh, they're all good in their own different ways. I'm wondering how much workload they want to give him because I went back and I was looking at Sean Alexander, who is the most classic example of a megastar NFL running back, who's actually, I think, a lot like Dalvin Cook, somebody who could do absolutely everything, had a career high of 59 receptions, so he could catch the ball, he could run over people, he was fast, but his career didn't last very long. And his year before he had the complete collapse, for Sean Alexander, he ran 370 times. And Delvin Cook is kind of on that pace right now to be touching the ball uh, a, a crazy amount and to be running well over 300 times. And usually in today's NFL, you don't want your running back doing that. So I, I wonder if there's some thought of how are we going to manage this? And I know at the end of the game, they put in Mike Boone, but still, um, he had already run the ball 16 times. And well, you're yeah, not going to be up doing, that many times. doing a good job, though. Listen, you're 21. Uh, it was a 21, 20, and 16 carries. That's not terrible. If you're a premier back, you should be looking for you know somewhere around 20 carries a game. I think you know if you're uh, one of these guys who you know Le'Veon Bell who fully wants to carry a load, and that's sort of the way you're built. Or you know back in the day, or Ricky Williams or Adrian Peterson. That's a different style back, and that's a guy who can do somewhere between 25 and even 35. You know when they're really you know, when we're playing well. But that's how they're built. I think 20 uh, carries a game is perfect for him. Uh, it's going to be over 300 carries a, a year, but it's not going to be closer to 400. So I, I don't think that's a bad number right there. And by the way, they could they could do less because I, again, I, th- I think Mike Boone's a player, and I, and I think Madison's a player. I think both those guys, you're not going to probably have quite that home run thing, but uh, they can do some really nice things in that running game. There's not some big drop off where you, you truly don't have a good third uh, third running back. So I'm. Checking this from last year. Uh, if he runs 20 times a game, that's 320 carries total. And in all of the NFL... Did you, did you use a uh, calculator to do that? I did. I have it right in my hand, calculator. I am not good at math in my head, or really math at all, which is um, ironic considering how much I love to analyze statistics. But uh, 
Only one running back cleared 300 carries last year. That was Zeke Elliott, and he had 304. Even Saquon Barkley, though he caught a lot of passes, had 260 carries. David Johnson, 258. Todd Gurley, 256. That, that's why I wonder, I mean, does this slow down, or do they just say, bleep it, we're all in anyway? And uh, Ivan Drago theory a little bit, if he dies, he dies. We're just going to run him 25 times a game. It just, Ivan it, Drago theory. Yeah, Ivan remember, Drago. Remember he, dies, he said, he if he dies, oh, he yes, dies. Yes, yeah, yes, and gotcha. Rocky Four. That's right. I, I mean, I just came up with that. But, um, yeah, I mean, that that's kind of the way they're approaching it. Nobody does this anymore. I, well, I don't know. I said I don't think he's getting way too many cares. They're not, like, you know, uh, running them into the ground, per se. Uh, I think they're doing a pretty good job with it so far. Listen, I, I think when he gets hurt this year, it's not going to be because he has too many um, – he played too much in the game. It's just going to be a random play. He's going to pull a hamstring. He's going to get tackled funny on the second play of some game or whatever. And then, you know, he might be out for a week or two. I, I think it's more something like that. Uh, or, you know, shoot, maybe tears his ACL or something. But I don't think it's going to be just name all the injuries. Well, I'm just saying I don't think it's going to be because of him, like, just, you know, 30 times a game. They're just pounding him into a wall, and he's running for 3.2 yards a carry. You know, I, I, he's having you know, a lot of success. And I, I think, again, 16 carries in that game, I think is a, that, that's a great number. If they can go b- between 15 and 20, I think those are great numbers. Again, the nice thing is there there is a small drop-off. But if he does get hurt, again, the reason that most running backs don't go over 300 yards is because so few play all 16 games. Sure. So many play you know, 10 games, 8 games, 12 games, but very few play 16 games because they just get beat up so much that uh, you're just going to have to probably come on at some point this season that the Vikings are not going to have their star running back for a couple games. That might be the time when we talk about, you know, Will Kirk Cousins be able to carry the load more because we don't have the superstar Dalvin in the backfield for the next two or three weeks? So the and last that, that's that's one of those times where we'll go, okay, is, is he going to be clutch and, and take this this team to the next level? Right. So the last time someone ran more than three hundred thirty times was Demarco Murray in two thousand fourteen. He ran for eighteen hundred yards. The next season, he ran for seven hundred and two and averaged three point six yards a carry. I, th- when that- I was with Ricky Williams in two thousand two, and you should look up this stat um he had an unbelievable amount of carries but he also had something like 50 catches and he also i mean he was a true three down back we didn't take him out very much and it was incredible two years in a row how many carries we gave north turnovers offensive coordinator dave wants there was our head coach we had an old offensive line uh, in 2002 and, they, and he had 1835 yards or something like that it was incredible the next year Pretty much the same line that they were all past their prime. A couple of them got hurt. He ended up running for something like 1,300 yards and was just sort of running to the ground. Uh, and then he quit the following season. So you know, you, yeah, you don't want to overuse your running backs. And I remember the, the, the stats at the time. They, they talked about that Rick, the uh, the run Ricky run or the yeah. 30 for 30. Uh, one of the reporters from Miami had said something like, you know, they he had 400 and some touches last year. You know, in game, they were just sort of using and abusing because their style was grind it out and play defense, and we had a phenomenal defense, and they were just going to win games ugly. And that meant, like, basically Ricky Williams is going to be beat up. And so, you know, again, I, I don't think the, the, the Vikings are they are not doing that. That's the thing. Ricky was getting 28 to 37 carries, it seemed like, every game. And uh, in that Miami Heat, it was, it was really something else. And I, I don't think they're, do, they're doing it to Alvin. And the good thing is that I think a lot of the runs, there's not free hitters. You know, they're, they're not – He's not getting brutalized when he runs through the line, taking some hits, of course, but 
uh, at the very worst, a lot of times it's sort of a just sort of a mush, you know, one-on-one tackle, and it's not some guy who, you know, he's taken you know three or four guys unblocked, uh, you know, into his shins. And so I, I hope he stays uh, healthy all season. He he could run for two thousand yards um, if if he continues at this pace. I would say. All right, so I have those numbers, and then we'll go to break because we're super late. Um, Ricky Williams ran three hundred and eighty-three times and touched at four thirty, but then the next year averaged a yard and a third less the the, yeah. the following season. So I think yep. that it did take a, a toll on him. Oh, right. no, big time, big time. But I mean, three hundred. I mean, four hundred thirty touches That's in nuts. a season. That's crazy. Four hundred and thirty touches in a season, which you know, a lot of times multiple guys are, are tackling you. Plus, pass protection. You know, you're, you're constantly getting blitzed, uh, and he's got to you know take linebackers one on one. I mean, they're they're out there hitting too when they don't have stats like running and, and 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 catching passes. And so, yeah, he was so beat up. And again, that is one of the main reasons he let, he quit. Uh, that that following season, there's a lot of things that went on with that, and uh, you know maybe when I write my book sometime, I discuss some of these things. But uh, he, that was part of the reason, and we we didn't sign anybody. We drafted a couple guys in like in the mid rounds, didn't really invest in like a new offensive line, and he was like, I- I'm done with this. And uh, he ended up, next thing you know, he's in he's in India. So <laughs> there you go. Hopefully, uh, Dalvin Cook doesn't end up in India anytime soon. Next thing you know, he's in <laughs> India. The Sage Rosenfeld story. As is Dan Levitard chasing Uh, him down. Okay, all right. Let's uh, take a break. We'll come right back. We'll see if we have any time left in the hour with you, Sage. Uh, When we return, we'll be right back here. You listen to Purple Daily on Score North. Football fans, it's Mackie here for Federated Insurance. You might not know this about me, but I've been a business owner a couple different times in my life. I can relate to the roller coaster ride, the never-ending sea of problems to solve, the exhilaration of those incremental wins. If you're a business owner, I recommend getting to know Federated, which has over a century of experience in protecting business and making them as successful as they can be. You want a company like Federated standing behind your business. Visit federatedinsurance.com to find your local representative. Federated Mutual Insurance Company. It's our business to protect yours. Time for the Score North Download. Jonathan here with this hour's download. Score North is on a mission for meals benefiting the Union Gospel Mission Twin Cities, and you can help by bidding on fantastic Minnesota sports experiences at scorenorth.com slash mission for meals. Right now up for auction is the Score North Twin Show Experience, which includes four home plate view tickets to the first Twins playoff game, game day luxury vehicle transportation, a $200 restaurant voucher, two Red Cow or Red Rabbit, plus a Score North Twin Show sit-in with Glenn Perkins. Bidding is currently open until 8 p.m. tonight at scorenorth.com slash mission for meals or keyword mission. That's been your Score North download. Now back to Purple Daily. Shoot, our quarterback meeting last night, Teddy changed it up. I texted Drew. I said, we're changing everything up now, you know. And he called right away. I said, you know, we're eating earlier than we ate before. You know, we just, um, and I was proud of the way he played. You know, he's he's someone, if you really follow his career, he's kind of won wherever he's been, you know. At a young age in Minnesota, um, he played this very same team on the road back in Minnesota in the playoffs in a game they very well should have won, you know, if not for the, the field goal. So, um, you know, he did that today. That was Sean Payton of the New Orleans Saints. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater with a win yesterday in Seattle, which is the first time an opposing team has gone to Seattle in September and won since 2009. So, Sage, since we have about two and a half minutes left uh, in the hour, give me your thought on Teddy Bridgewater going and winning a game in Seattle in his first real start. He started Week 17 last year in a meaningless game, but his first real start back in the NFL since 2015. 
Well, and he put me through 30 passes the previous week in a loss that Drew Brees got hurt in. So he did get some playing time in that loss to the L.A. Rams. And, you know, is Teddy Bridgewater a winner? Like, is that would that be the best way to describe him? Yeah, he plays I think winning so. football? Yep. Right? Um, and, and he did that with the Vikings. It's it's amazing, you know, that, that team they had that went 11-5. And, and he started all 16 of those games. He threw 14 touchdown passes and nine picks. Like, that, not impressive. Cousins was 30-10 and 10 last year. But at the times they needed it, he, whether it's a, you know, is he Alex Smith? Is he sort of a game manager type guy uh, who can sort of get that? He's just sort of clutch. Uh, yeah, that's what it seems like he has, the ability to win football games. And, and he very well, what, I'm not sure what he gets two months here. He could be writing himself a big check, mm-hmm. uh, basically from who knows what teams would want to get him in there and give him, you know, t- shoot twenty million dollars a year over the course of you know three year deal if he plays pretty well for the next two months. Who knows? Uh, t- this team needs quarterbacks, and Teddy has Teddy has proved it in the past. He does win football games, and to go to Seattle uh, against a playoff team last year, the Seattle Seahawks. And to get that win, and it wasn't even as close as a score. They, they were up by two touchdowns in the fourth mm-hmm. quarter. So uh, the the uh, the um, Seattle got a sort of cheap one, like the last, I think it was the last play of the game last night. So a nice win for for Teddy, and and he's a guy. He's a winner. He's, he's I, I, that's how I look at him. And uh, he'll, he's he's not a guy that if you're down by three touchdowns, you you have to have. That's that's you know there's only a couple of those guys in the league. Pat Mahomes is one. Another great performance by him. But Teddy's a guy that just steadily knows how to win football games and makes the right plays at the right time. And and I cannot imagine how he must have felt walking off that field, considering all he's been through to get his first win in that long. So, um, Sage, great stuff. Watch tonight's game. Mitch Trubisky, I know you will be breaking it down, because on Wednesday we are going to dive deep into whether Mitch Trubisky can beat the Vikings uh, next week, because we are on to Chicago. Sage, great stuff as always, man. Sounds good. Talk chat Wednesday. And uh, Sage will be there in Chicago with me to do a instant reaction to that game. So I'm really looking forward to that. Um, he has become a legitimate journeyman reporter now for us. So, um, all right, let's take a quick break. Sorry about the short segment. That is uh, Sage's fault entirely. I take no responsibility. Uh, we'll be right back. Uh, you're listening to Purple Daily. Zolgad comes in next. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. <laughs> It's Purple Daily. Oh, no, I think this team's got a lot of heart. You know, they, they were pretty focused, you know, all week. They are pretty focused in meetings last night. They seemed really focused in the locker room today. Um, and we came out there and played with a lot of effort. So, you know, you do that, you make plays, and good things usually happen when you play with great effort. Okay, speaking of great effort, Judd Zilgad in here for hour number two. Matthew Collar with you, as always, Monday through Friday here on Purple Daily from 2 to 4. Jonathan Harrison producing. Uh, we have some turbo snark coming up in the next segment, but not from me, from a local hero in Philadelphia. And I will play you that. It is one of the greatest roastings in history. <laughs> so you can look forward to that in a little bit. But uh, first, let us begin, Judd, with the scenario I laid out for Sage Rosenfels, and I want your response to this as well. If the Vikings go to Chicago and Kirk Cousins does not play well at all, struggles, turns the ball over, does not come through with some sort of big touchdown, even in a big moment, but the Vikings win because Mitch Trubisky is just bad at football now, how are we going to feel about this team? If they win the way that 
they have won basically in the first two victories, which is Dalvin Cook and defense, and Kirk Cousins hasn't had to do a lot, though he's been good when he's been asked. If he plays similar to Green Bay, but they come away with a win, which almost happened, give Delvin Cook or Alexander Madison the football at the eight-yard line and you win that game. Let's say that the same thing plays out, and I could very much see this, and the Vikings win 17-13 or something. Delvin goes for 120. Kirk is bad. What are we going to think about that? Well, we are going to think that the quarterback is not good, which might be to a certain degree accurate. But I think what we're going to be sold and what the fan base also is going to come back with is the 2019 formula for the Vikings works, which I would still be reluctant to confirm because you're certainly going to play teams that will be superior offensively and overall probably to the Bears. But I think we, I think we are going to take, and if they had won in Green Bay, same thing, Matthew, some type of false sense of security and say, you see, it works for sure. Now, if they win in Chicago, I'm impressed because they don't ordinarily win there and it's a tough place to play. And the Bears defense is very good. But all those things being said, I think we might lull ourselves into saying, well, this really, really might work. And then you get to a game like Kansas City or Dallas, and you're going to find out that it really might not work. That's exactly the way that I would think of it is this game is very winnable without a great performance or even a good performance by Kirk Cousins. If they go to Chicago and just maul Mitch Trubisky and he gets rattled and he throws a couple picks last year. Trubisky tried his best to give that game away through two interceptions to Anthony Harris when they were winning, which I mean is just abysmal. And the way that he's played in most of the two games he played against the Vikings and the two that he played last year, he hasn't been good a single time. He wasn't even good in week 17, but he made a couple of plays at the right time, had a couple of good runs, and that was just about enough to beat the Vikings in both games because Chicago's defense was so good. I don't think Chicago's defense exactly can win them as many games as they did last year because they had all the turnovers, but they're still vicious. They're still very good. It's just that Trubisky seems to be getting worse, and we'll see how we feel about this tomorrow after they play tonight. So if Trubisky is bad and they win with a decent amount of running and they just keep the score low and Cousins doesn't show a whole lot, I think we're still going to feel about the same as we did coming away from Green Bay, only it won't be quite the mass hysteria, but it will be still the, you need a big performance from him in a big game against a tough team at some point to ever believe you can win, because the last time I checked, the good teams are in the playoffs. Well, yes, yes and no. Yes, ultimately, that you would think that if you're going to, let's say, go into Arrowhead and beat the Chiefs, or Jerry World and beat the Cowboys, that Kirk Cousins is going to have to emerge. But Matthew, it's quite plain as day to see now that the plan here, the Zim plan, does not involve that. Like, right or wrong, it could be incredibly flawed, but it's as if Mike has convinced himself, I have my hands on the 85 Bears, and damn it, that's going to be us. And so my problem is this, Kansas City, for instance, I don't think that this formula with the with this personnel works there, which is why I said on a vent line today, this is where I really think that if you're Mike, you need to go into Rick's office and say, Jalen Ramsey, the only way I feel comfortable going into Kansas City or the playoffs is, all right, Pat Mahomes, here is one of the upper echelon top cornerbacks who's coming at you. But from the day that Filippo was fired, 
to Mike incessantly talking last year at the podium about the run, and I want to establish the run, and I want my defense off the field. Like, the plan, the plan, Kirk talked yesterday about our identity. Kirk, I could have told you what the desired identity was weeks ago in training camp. I'm surprised you're not throwing it a little bit more, but I'm not shocked. Are you? No, I'm not. I mean, I'm this a little, is I thought he'd the, throw a little bit more. The way that the games have played out that they've won, of course I'm not surprised that they decided to run all the time because the games were over. And I almost have to throw out these two games for what they look like in off, on offense because it just doesn't mean anything. I mean, when Atlanta gives you interceptions, they let a punt get blocked, and they no-show entirely, I can't really analyze the Can quarterback too much. I got a question for you. Do you think that Mike, after Green Bay and the... Uh, and first of all, the pass protection breaks down. Kirk throws the terrible pass. Do you think Mike felt even more emboldened as they watched that film back to say, see what happens? Maybe. I think that Zimmer knows that if Kirk Cousins does not perform at a high level at different points in the season, especially when games are the biggest, that they're not going to win anything. I mean, I, I know that people want Zimmer to be like Mike Ditka or something in their minds of, ah, oh, just this old crotchety, wants to run the ball, wants to win 6-3. to three. I, I know that that's how he is sometimes painted. My thing is more that everything that he has said has indicated that he doesn't trust the quarterback. Right. Because if you gave Mike Zimmer Patrick Mahomes, he would definitely not be saying, let's run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. I'm saying that. I'm saying what you just said. Yeah, I think it all shows a lack of trust for Kirk Cousins, and the game in Green Bay just confirmed, and and I can guarantee they won't do that again in a big situation. They will hand the ball to Delvin Cook, at least on first and second down. Um, But... I think it just confirmed what he thought from last year and probably what he thought from Washington. I wouldn't be surprised if he watched all those games, which they claim they watch every game he's ever played, like 2012 would really help you. Uh, but that's what they said. So you think that he watched those games and didn't see the same thing I saw and brought up to you last year on this radio station, which had a different name at that point? Um, but, you know, I was bringing up like this guy really struggles in these big games and he seems to have kind of an anxiety about him. And it, he isn't a guy that motivates the troops to get on his back and, and, and everybody to raise their level of play. Like this is not the guy that you had in Teddy Bridgewater and Bridgewater. You could call him a game manager if you want, but he had a different element of that where when you are in the close game, you were going to come out a winner more often than not with him. And even he shows it going into Seattle yesterday and beating a team that never loses in Seattle in September. And yet he doesn't put up crazy numbers. He just got his team ahead and kept him there. And with Cousins, I think after seeing Bridgewater for those years, that's what Mike Zimmer said. This is my perfect quarterback. This is my Jim McMahon, if you want to keep that Bears comparison. And with Cousins, he's the opposite of all of that stuff. So, no, he doesn't trust him. And, of course, he wants to keep the ball in Delvin Cook's hands. But he also is well aware, and this is my point, he's well aware and has alluded to it a number of times that Detroit's got a good defense, Chicago has a good defense, Dallas has an amazing defense, Seattle's not going to be easy to beat, Los Angeles has those great edge rushers that are going to get after you. If you are going to be a great team, which this certainly this team has the potential to be that, Kirk Cousins has to show that he can win in big games and make big plays. There's no two ways around it if you want to be a great team. Look at Dak Prescott right now. Dallas has as good of a defense as the Vikings. He's... Dak Prescott right now after three games, 920 yards, nine touchdowns, two picks. He's been sacked twice, 
and has a 128 quarterback rating. That's the guy you got to beat if you want to win the NFC. Like, okay. Kirk is going to have every opportunity to show that he could do that. But you were focusing on the Kansas City game. Yeah. I'm focused on the Dallas game eventually when we get there. And okay. I know it's a ways down the road. On the road at Dallas, national TV. Because guess what? Playoff games are on national TV, too. Yep. So yep. if, you, if you're going to prove that you can really play, I'm not even sure that Chicago is going to be the best test. I'll have a better feel after tonight when they play Washington. But if they win in Chicago... I give them credit because they have struggled there so often. But yes, Chicago's not a great team. But if you beat Chicago, if you beat the Bears in Chicago, the the way I see this game, you're basically playing what amounts to, in 2019 at least, sort of a mirror image of your own team. Yeah. Uh, And it comes down, and sadly, it comes down to this. Which not great quarterback screws up less? And which great defense makes a play to exactly. score a touchdown? If, Probably it's what's going to take. If they win seventeen fourteen, and and a touchdown for the Vikings comes from a Harrison Smith uh, pick of Trubisky, I'm going to not be surprised. I'll be impressed, but I won't be surprised. I guess I just wonder what the general feeling is going to be from Vikings fans if we're talking about a Cousins win in Chicago, which would be really huge for this team. I mean, if you go into week four, first quarter of the season, and you are 3-1, and one, even though the loss was as hideous as it looked in Green Bay with the late-game interception, you would still feel absolutely thrilled because we looked at this first section of the season and we said, this is a section where you could easily start to fall behind in the NFC North. If Atlanta comes in here and does anything, if you lose at Green Bay, if you lose at Chicago, and then you're one in three and you have to go through that hellacious run of Kansas City, Dallas, Seattle, and then those uh, division games at the end, you're really going to be in tough. And to come out of this three and one, you would be looking at this team like they're one of the best in the NFL, that they were one bad throw away from being four and oh in their first four games. But everything now has come down to, I think, the, the team is great. It's maybe as good as it was. We're very close, 2017, but the fact that Delvin Cook is healthy, the fact that they have Irv Smith, who has really impressed me over the first few weeks, they might be better. I mean, now that Mike Hughes is coming back, you're completely healthy on defense. Everson Griffin looks just as good or better than he did two years ago. You're talking about a lot of those same elements put in the pot with even better options on offense with Irv Smith here and Alexander Madison here and Delvin Cook playing the way he does. It really is going to all be about whether the quarterback can show up in these big games. And I want to know if we feel like we're going to learn anything this week with the way that he plays in Chicago. If if he goes to Chicago and beats them and and plays well or doesn't play well, is that going to be our, wow, this guy can do it type of thing? Or is it going to be, hey, you know, good for you, but they're not as good as they used to be, so whatever, on to the next one? This is the game where I, I've... Firmly believe the game plan will be again to manage Kirk. Dalvin will run a ton. Kirk will throw. In their ideal world, now when you get to the KC and Dallas games, this dynamic might change. But I think Sunday in Soldier Field, Kirk throws about twenty-five times tops. If he throws more, they're going to they're going to consider the plan failed. So so I don't think they're going to allow us to learn more about Kirk because I think what they know what they know about Kirk keeps them up at night and scares them. It's all going to depend. The number of throws is all going to depend on just how the game goes. But, I mean, their goal, but their goal is going to be to control the game as much as possible, 
to score first and then milk that lead as long as they possibly can. But until until you get to a dynamic team, I think the goal is going to say we're going to take the game out of Kirk's hands as much as possible. And if somebody says, but why, Zimmer's going to say Green Bay. That's what's going to. And, and so I don't think we get answers until you go play the Chiefs probably, which and I have no clue what happens then. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to be right back. Uh, I want to remind you, and Jonathan did last segment, appreciate you for doing this, Jonathan, um, that we've got something very cool going on at Score North today. So go to scorenorth.com slash mission for meals, and we have an amazing auction until 8 o'clock. So scorenorth.com slash mission for meals, um, the Score North Twin Show experience, which includes home plate view tickets for Twins playoff game, uh, game day luxury vehicle tra- uh, transportation to the game, $200 restaurant voucher to Red Cow or Red Rabbit, and Score North Twin Show sit-in with Glenn Perkins. And thank God that includes Glenn Perkins. That's I mean, absolutely other, yeah. other, well, Otherwise, it would be, it'd be, hard, be hard to get votes for Rami and Wetmore. No, it sounds I think, awesome. I think it needs Glenn Perkins. Yes, absolutely. So, so you get to come in, hang out with Glenn Perkins, you get to go to the game, you get to have food, and you just have to go to scorenorth.com slash mission for meals and put in for an auction. I don't even know what that's worth, but a lot. That mm-hmm. is a, that is an incredible experience. Also, if you don't feel like you got the uh, cash to pony up to win that auction, still go to scorenorth.com slash mission for meals. $29 buys a week's worth of meals for a person in need. So do that. Uh, we're partnering with them. It's great. Um, we'll be right back. Uh, Judd and I continued the conversation here, and uh, I do, I do actually have a couple of things to take away from yesterday's game. I thought about it. I couldn't sleep late last night, Judd, because I was racking my brain. Can I really take anything away from, from this the game? Win? From this that game that we watched yesterday. Yes, from I sat this by you, game. and you almost were moved to tears. You, who a man that never cries, I know. almost started it almost crying made me cry. out of boredom. Yeah, it was it was that bad. All right, we'll talk about it when we come back. Here, you're listening to Purple Daily on Score North. I thought we played well in all three phases. You know, I thought we came out with uh, really good effort, enthusiasm. I thought we executed well uh, with, uh, especially the run game. I thought uh, Cousins played very well today, used his feet, took care of the ball. I knew he would play really good today, and um, I'm glad that he did. So, still got a lot of work to do. We got to clean up these darn penalties and uh, continue to get better. That was Minnesota Vikings head coach Mike Zimmer, Matthew Collar, and Judd Zolgad back here on Purple Daily. And you know what, Judd? I spent some time with it, thought about it. I soul searched a little for takeaways from the game yesterday. And uh, I, the, the dying to hear them. The, um, the theme of the show has been on to Chicago today. I mean, because naturally there isn't a whole lot to take away. But okay. let me just. Talk about some things that will reflect on to the rest of the season and on to Chicago. Number one of those things mm-hmm. is I think with Mike Hughes back and Eric Wilson being just a good player, that this team could actually sustain some injuries at times on defense, which they have not yet so far, but we know that they will throughout the year get dinged up here or there. And it won't matter at a lot of positions. I mean, Anthony Barr who is a really, really good football player and deserving of money for sure, um, 
every time Eric Wilson comes in, he shows that he can kind of do all the same things that Anthony Barr can. And I'm sure that if I said that in front of Mike Zimmer, he would pull out his game tape and he would show me all the different things that Anthony Barr can do that Eric Wilson can't do. But every time Wilson is in, the performance is pretty similar. He's just good. And the fact that Hughes came back, and it's not like Hughes looked like the next Deion Sanders. I wouldn't have expected that in his first game back from the ACL. But now there's another guy who could play the nickel. Mackenzie Alexander will come back at some point. Uh, Xavier Rhodes just not tested at all yesterday. I expect he will be uh, at other times throughout the season. But even if he struggles, even if Xavier Rhodes gets hurt, Alexander and Hughes can both play the outside corner if they need to. And J. Ron Curse has played really, really good football through the first couple of weeks. The only position that they do not have depth at right now that I actually thought they would initially is on the defensive line. Right now, I don't feel like they have a whole lot of depth. But the way Everson Griffin and who don't Daniel you like Hunter, so far? Who who do you who don't you think is um, contributing? I have not liked Stephon Weatherly. Uh, Stephon uh, Stephen, Stephen Weatherly's Weatherly. game much at all. Really, really? so far. Okay. Yeah, I've actually been surprised because I I thought he made um, great strides throughout the last couple of years and was really good last year when he filled in for Everson Griffin. But I wonder if the Trying to use him every once in a while, just throwing him out there, hasn't allowed him to get into a rhythm. He's a talented player, but I just don't think it's been a very good start to the season for him. Afadi Adenabo is another guy who showed really well in the last couple of preseasons, actually. And I could see him getting more snaps if they rotate at all, but that doesn't really matter a lot. I mean, Hunter and Griffin are two of the more durable players really in the NFL over the last five years, four years. So there really isn't a concern there. Linval Joseph has been great. Wonderful idea. Can we get maybe I'll turbo snark this? You want turbo snark this, Jonathan? Raiders. Raiders, you're so smart. John Gruden, like, just super genius, right? Your your whole idea is you're going to get rid of all your uh, talented players. You're going to bring in younger players. And John Gruden's going to mold them because he's just super genius. He's so brilliant. And he's a, a brilliant offensive mind. I mean, this was one of the guys who early in his career was thought of as an up-and-coming genius. And he won a Super Bowl. And he got that Raiders offense when he was there with uh, Rich Gannon. He got Rich Gannon to be great. So he must be an offensive genius just a total guru and in fact i loved his sit downs with quarterbacks those things for espn so a man who is this brilliant and this genius and smart decides on a fourth and one to hand it off right into linval joseph what is wrong with you i mean i get offended like you said judd by horrendously bad decisions in football no matter who makes them like when teams punt on fourth and one at the other team's 35 i want to run onto the field and fight their coach like i felt that way with john gruden yesterday i don't think that you're gonna win no matter what but what are you doing what drove you crazy about that was i believe it was an earlier fourth and one where gruden went for it as well and he ran up a little pass play, and now a Rhodes, Rhodes got held on that play, he and they didn't did. throw a flag because, thank God, they while they threw a ton of flags across the National Football League, the holding penalties were down. But nonetheless, you had to run up the middle. I'll never understand. I mean, this, this goes back to when the Williams wall was dominating for the Vikings defensive line years and years ago. <laughs> These guys that decide, you know what? We're going to get the yardage. You would have been better off to have Derek Carr just try and sneak. Oh, sneak would have just been try a better and chance. Sneak than try and hand the ball off there. That was really stupid. But you know what? 
I still contend John Gruden got on that flight last night to go home and thought to himself, one step closer to competing for Tua. Well, that's probably true. Uh, as bad as they looked, he's got to know that they don't have much of a chance, especially in that division. And which that is contract really difficult. Too. His contract. Um, well, th- that, and that's the thing is he can think long term if he wants to because he's cashing those checks even if they fire him. Uh, but I guess the the bigger point is that Linval Joseph stuffing that run uh-huh. shows you that Linval is every bit still Linval, and this defense looks like it is absolutely spectacular and even deeper than it's been. There have been many times over the last few years where we've said, you know, they're kind of one injury away from some struggles at times. And now I don't even feel that way except for on the defensive line. Um, and they're usually a very durable group. So the defense looks like they can beat just about anyone. And I would just put an asterisk next to except Kansas City, because I'm not sure anyone can slow down Patrick Mahomes. Yep. And you're going to have to score points, too, which is going to become a bit dicey. Although that defense is not great itself, so you possibly could score some points there. But, uh, yeah, that's the one where the Kansas City-Dallas are the two that I can't wait to see. I'll give you another big-picture one from yesterday. Is if they can throw screen passes and short throws to Irv Smith and he can run after the catch like he did yesterday, he looked quick. He looked like he's just got a good idea of what he's supposed to do when he gets the ball in space with his vision and so forth. And then block on the run yes. like he has over these first couple of games. Yes. Then he, I don't know what his catch total is going to be, but he's going to be a super valuable player for this team. So here, here's something that Sage brought up in hour one that I found very intriguing. And it was sort of a throwaway comment by Sage, but it's, it's, it's not something to be um, minimized. He mentioned Kyle and the fact that maybe Kyle can't move as well as Kyle could a few years back, Matthew, and Irv Smith can. The athletic uh, Irv Smith, for as raw as he might be, seems like he's a pretty smart player. Yeah, and he also see and he's also got ability now because he's young and can move to make plays that I don't know Kyle can. And so Sage just. Mentioned in passing, Kyle might be slowing down a little bit, but I, I don't think that's to be underestimated that that's going to show up on film here pretty quickly. And some of those plays that went to Kyle, let's say in 2017, now might very well uh, go to Irv Smith, especially if he continues to show the development that we've seen since training camp when Kubiak admitted that Irv's head was swimming a little bit. And it looks week by week by week like there's more trust in Irv Smith Jr. I asked Irv Smith today just how he felt about that because Kubiak did make those comments, and that was the way that I framed it to Irv. was like, hey, Gary said that you were a little lost did you say Gary? On. I think I said Gary, Gary. I think I said Gary Kubiak. Um, because if you say Gary, I have learned this, a lot of times the response you'll get is, Gary who? <laughs> And like, well, there's only one Gary, and he's played in Super Bowls and coached. You know them, your so offense, like, whatever guy who you know. installed your offense. Yeah, but you'll just get that. Sure. Zimmer, Zimmer will do that. Everybody will do that. If you use just like a first name, Kevin. Like, I don't, I don't. Is, is there even another Kevin? But it'll be like Kevin who, like Kevin Stefanski. Fair just, enough. just so we're not confused on which Kevin may have said something. But anyhow, uh, and I, I just asked him. I said, you know, Kubiak said that you were swimming a little bit in training camp, but you've obviously gotten off to a very good start. And he just said that. At, there was a point where he got comfortable where like with the offense and what they were trying to do. And since then, he's been able to play fast. 
And that's exactly how it's looked. He has not looked on the blocking snaps like he's lost. He hasn't looked like he's been overpowered, which I was concerned about considering his height and weight is not super impressive for a tight end. He's not Gronk. Gronk is like 6'6 and 270. And Irv Smith is more like 6'3 and 230, which is not a guy you usually think of as being a great blocker. But he's done a really nice job so far. And I had the same thought as you because I could tell where you're going with that. Is he going to take away snaps from Kyle Rudolph? And I think that it was telling today that Mike Zimmer praised Kyle Rudolph for how he blocked yesterday. Yep. It made me think. It, okay. it made me think. It made me put together a <laughs> couple of dots. You've been down this road there. before. Yep. Is he praising him to basically say, don't you know? Don't worry, Kyle. Like we still love you. Don't worry right. about that. And and that is a, a thing that's developing a little bit here. And I heard you guys talk about it on Ventline of just how everybody's going to feel about this if they continue to win this way. And it better be a lot of winning would be the way that I would describe it because at any opening for different people, including Rudolph and Thielen and Diggs, at any crack opening of this looks like it's going sideways, then people start to think about, well, what about my numbers? And what about what I've done this year? And and what about the fact that you've gone away from me? I mean, if they run for 100 yards against Chicago with Delvin Cook and throw for 170 and Stephon Diggs has three catches for 20 yards and they lose – then if you're Stefan Diggs, you are absolutely within your rights to be like, hey, remember when I was the centerpiece of this offense and Adam Thielen was the centerpiece of this offense and we put up good offensive numbers? Like, remember that, guys? And uh, I know Zimmer wants balance. He's mentioned he wants balance, but it's leaning more and more, even against Green Bay in a game they were down toward we want to win with Delvin Cook as our centerpiece and our superstar, mm-hmm. which is totally fine if you win. I, I, that's the way I look at it. Like, look at a good example might be, and this is going back a ways, but everyone knows this one of like Troy Aikman. I don't know that there's ever a quote from Troy Aikman who says, man, I wish I threw for 5,000 yards. <laughs> right. 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 Because they won all the time. So he was perfectly fine. But now with, there, now there might be. Now there might if, be. If he played in 2019, there might be. So here's what I'm here. And to, uh, um, elaborate on that point, what I'm curious about as well is, is this. If you're Diggs or Thielen, and you look around this league and you see teams passing and passing, I mean, this is not like the Vikings are like you know they're all they're all throwing to the uh, receivers X amount and they're running the ball a lot. This is a passing league now. When is the first sign of why am I not getting the football? And you went out and signed this quarterback to this contract, and I'm still not being passed to. I'm really curious, and the, these guys are good teammates, but receivers are receivers, and I, my curiosity also is, okay, so let's say you lose to Chicago, and then let's say you lose to KC. At what point in time does somebody publicly say, well, I don't understand what we're doing here? Yeah, this is what's hard to figure out, because neither Thielen or Diggs is that type of person. Kyle Rudolph basically said as much last year that he thought he should be getting the ball more often. So I guess if we were putting odds on it, I'd put it on Kyle Rudolph, the guy who was certainly never afraid to talk about his contract situation at any point during the offseason. Right. He's a little bit more vocal when it comes to how he's feeling about things than those guys are. I did think it was a little bit telling that Stefan Diggs had a lot to say last week to put pressure on himself uh, to talk about what he could have done better and things like that. But when Stefan Diggs is rolling, it's kind of a weird thing that I've noticed. 
when he's rolling, he doesn't want to talk about it. So he'll go to the podium after a 10 catch game and you'll say, well, what, what happened there? What, why did you get, you know, have so much success? They'll say, oh, that's how, you know, that's how they drew it up. They made the good throws to me and, th- and that'll be it. But when things are going wrong, then he's more apt to kind of, this is how I want to present what's going on to you guys. Right. And, uh, of course, everyone reacted that way after the Packers game, and this type of game would quiet that for a little bit. But if it's a bad loss in Chicago, and there's three catches for Thielen and Diggs when these guys are among the best receivers in the NFL, then I, I think it's not just us that it's the outside world that will start putting pressure on the Vikings to throw to them more often, too. And if you think that it doesn't impact what they do, what gets said outside, uh, you're wrong. It absolutely does. I mean, even Kirk Cousins last year, like, just ask him about the fumbles. I mean, and and he makes it very clear that he heard what everyone was saying about Oh, he, the, def- the fumbles, he definitely for does. For sure. So... I, I don't know. I, I think that it really depends, though, because they will bite their tongues. Okay. If, and here's another thing, yep. too. Here's another thing, too. Yep. They'll bite their tongues on the catch numbers if they're still making plays that win games. And I mean, if they had won in Green Bay and Diggs still makes the catch on the big touchdown and then they go win, then he's going to say, yeah, I made one catch, but it was a 40-yard touchdown. Sure. I feel I feel great about my contribution to winning. Yep. If they're not winning and he's not making contributions, then I think that's where you're more apt to hear some frustration. Here's my Zolgadian prediction if they don't win as far as how this unfolds. And it's not publicly a guy at his locker saying, give me the bleeping ball. It's the guy who can't control himself as far as his emotions on the field, yeah. on the sideline. It's Thielen's going to melt down. It might not be Diggs. It might not be Diggs. But if Thielen, if they start to lose some games, and I mean, we saw it last year in Seattle when the boom mic picked Thielen up, saying, yeah. "What I was wide the bleep open." Yeah, or I'm, which is surprising because he usually and Chicago and Chicago because like he went right back at Kirk. He didn't take that. Yep. So if they go, if they go to Chicago on Sunday and they're trying to run the ball and Chicago scores a couple touchdowns and they're down, it's going to be a game like that where Thielen is going to lose his cool. And he post game will probably try and say as little as possible. But I'm sorry, when I see a guy hands on hips or flailing his arms, at some point in time I say, I don't think that's a happy camper. It, yeah, this entire situation with all of these guys depends to me entirely on results of the games mm-hmm. because you're not going to see any of that if Delvin is winning games for you and you have a chance to be a NFC North champs or whatever. If you go to Detroit and beat them, you go to uh, go against Philly, beat them, uh, have a big win against either Dallas or KC. If you come out with one of those wins, then of course you're not going to have guys coming out and saying anything or showing the frustration. Cause you're right. They're not going to come out and say anything anyway, but you're going to get the vibe yes. of what's going on. They won't hide it. Um, I don't think that any of that happens if you get a win against Chicago and then you've got New York, Philly at home, and Philly doesn't look as strong as they should have been. I mean, you've got an opportunity here with a Chicago game to swing yourself into a bunch of wins, potentially. You can beat Philly at home because it's U.S. Bank Stadium and you have that defense. You could certainly beat Detroit on the road. You could certainly beat Washington. So before you get to your tough stretch, we might already have by that point, by week eight, a team with a very good record with receivers who don't have great stats, but they're not going to make any sort of noise about that as long as they've got the wins. But that's why Sunday's game is so difficult because I, I can't tell you anything about 
the Bears game. I can tell you that that I think it's going to be two very good defenses and two probably what we could safely call subpar quarterbacks. And I think the Vikings are going to have a good chance to win. But Sunday's game against Oakland gives me no basis to say, but here's what I really think about Kirk. I don't know. That's what I sat by you during the course of that game in the press box and thought to myself, what am I gleaning here? Like the Packers game, I gleaned stuff. And you know what? It was a frustrating game at times, for sure. But it was interesting. It like was instructive. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I, I, I picked up there. on things and said, oh, I can tell that or I can tell. Against Oakland, I watched it and I thought, okay, the system is is working perfectly. But when the system works as well as it did in week one or week three, then they just default to exactly what the game plan is coaching-wise. And that doesn't tell me a thing about the actual players. Right. That's the problem. Yeah, I, we, I know what the coaching staff wants to do. That is abundantly clear. But what can the players execute? I don't know yet. How many quarters of football do we even have so far that tell us what the Vikings' real offense is? What the desired, what the desire is, or what just, it's going to need to just, be? But what just they not what it's going to need to be, or what's desired? Just who they are. I mean, maybe three it, in Green Bay. But you're down. Is in, that fair? But you're down to Green Bay so quickly in that game that it even changed the formula right there. Yeah, I know okay. that they continue to run yeah. successfully because of a 75-yard touchdown, but it did change the formula right there when you got down early. And then these other games, we've seen almost nothing except for you know the bootleg touchdown yesterday early in the game. But aside from that, I you're know still the not Delvin really Cook seeing who they are. Is good. But I knew that. Now, did, Agreed. Did I, think, <laughs> did, did I think he was a superstar? I thought he could be. He is. He has exceeded my expectations, but we know that the defense is good, and we know Dalvin Cook's good. Offensive line pass protection. I can't tell you a thing right now. Kirk Cousins. I can't tell you much. So yeah. So that's why I, I think against the Bears they've got a real chance. But as far as saying I know this to be true about that game, it's very difficult. Yeah, this feels like not only from an NFC North standings perspective, um, but also from the general feeling. Of everyone in there, this is huge. Like this is the early season Super Bowl for the Vikings. Um, let's take a quick break. We'll come right back. Purple Daily here on Score North. Time for the Score North download. Jonathan here with this download. You can join Dan Terra and myself Wednesday night for Minnesota United and Sporting KC with pregame at six thirty, kickoff at seven right here on Score North on AM fifteen hundred ScoreNorth.com and the free Score North mobile app. Based off yesterday's game, yesterday's game and part of his running game, which was this run right here. Second and goal from the one, and the pitch is to Dalvin Cook. And Cook, second effort, touchdown. Flag is down as well, but he got over the goal line to Dalvin Cook. So pending the call, the Vikings have another score. That was the rushing touchdown by Dalvin Cook. He finished yesterday 16 carries, 110 yards, one touchdown. He now leads the league in rushing 375 yards. Over the entire season so far, that's the next closest is 318 by Christian McCaffrey of Carolina. Where do you rank Dalvin Cook among running backs in the league right now? Hit us up at Score North on Twitter at SKOR North on Twitter with your thoughts on that. That's been your Score North download. Now back to Purple Daily. We're always going to rally behind him and do everything we can so that he doesn't feel like he has to put all the pressure on himself. Um, if we can take the pressure off of him and let him go back there and you know just let his natural ability take over, that's what we saw all spring and summer was him back there comfortable um, and he's got an unbelievable amount of ability. So uh, when we can take that unwanted pressure off of him, 
uh, and let him just play. Uh, he's phenomenal. Kyle Rudolph there, uh, Matthew Collard, Judd Zelgad back here on Purple Daily. And a um, couple of things to get to, Judd. Number one, Saquon Barkley is out for four to eight weeks, which means he's not going to play against the Vikings. So, you know, sometimes, uh, what is it, uh, when God shuts a door, they open a window. So uh, Eli Manning not playing, which is bad for the Vikings because they'll have to play a better quarterback in Daniel Jones. I'm already willing to say that he's a better quarterback than decrepit Eli Manning. Yeah, at this point. But then the window opens since they won't have their best player in Saquon Barkley when the Vikings go to to New York. And, of course, the expectation will be a whooping for the Vikings over New York in that game. Now, here's a way to potentially take the... Uh, entertainment value of this week, which I called before the break the early season Super Bowl for the Vikings. Yes, you did. That's right. I'll take it back tomorrow if Chicago loses tonight. If Chicago loses to Washington and Case Keenum, then I'm going to say, okay, well, this game means a lot less. Or I guess the things that we can glean off of it, or maybe just the expectation that the Vikings win goes way up. If Mitch Trubisky is horrendous again and he loses to Case Keenum, then I, I can't go into this week saying, oh, this game means everything between the Vikings and Chicago. I just can't. Then I might have to say that Detroit is a better team than Chicago, and those games mean more. I think it's probably too strong, even as we sit here now, hours before kickoff for the Monday night game, to say that a potential uh, or the Bears-Vikings uh, uh, game on Sunday means everything. But I will say this. Given the Vikings' history in that stadium... I I am putting no assumptions. No, if the if the Bears go and lose to Washington tonight, I'm still not going to assume that the Vikings win there because the Vikings through the years have seemed to find more damn ways to lose that game. <laughs> I so, know, even when so, they're horrible. Yeah. So yes, yes, my my val- my potential value that I put on the Bears could go down tonight, but because the Vikings and Zim teams have played so many terrible games in Soldier Field, I still will be impressed if they go in there and win. So I guess then I would look at it as maybe that I'll be expecting that the Vikings win more than I would. Because I would say right now, if assuming Chicago takes care of business and beats a bad Washington team tonight, then... I would say, okay, well, this one's like 50-50 then. And maybe even a slight edge to Chicago because of the circumstances. Like you said, playing in Chicago, they have mostly a horrible history at Soldier Field. So then I would be leaning toward Chicago. And the big thing that you're looking for is, does Kirk Cousins at least play well? Because if he plays pretty well against Chicago... People say he played well against the Falcons, Matthew, and No, 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 but I, I mean actually plays well. I mean, if you lost... 21 to 17 and Kirk Cousins played really well yeah. in Chicago. Yes. Then you're not going to come out of there with your hair on fire you, saying, you know, start Mannion or anything. Do you think that they are <laughs> going to allow him though to, to have a big enough say in that game in that game plan itself unless things go sideways and they fall behind quickly to actually ha- have a game where you say I think he played really well? Yeah, no, I think it can happen. Okay. I, I definitely think it can happen and you I have my doubts st- on that. You one. could still lose. Um if we we can Absolutely walk away saying Kirk Cousins played well, but they lost by three points or something like that, which is 100% within the realm of possibility. If Chicago loses to Washington tonight, then I expect you to win as the Vikings. Well, you should, except in that stadium, I will still be impressed if they do because they have managed to find more bad ways to lose games there than perhaps any opposing stadium I've seen. They have lost some terrible games. 
against, by the way, bad Bears teams in Soldier Field. All right, let's uh, wrap it up for today. Hand it over to Mackie and Judd with Rami. Be back tomorrow. Courtney Cronin, Alex Boone, big show tomorrow. We'll see you then on Purple Daily. This holiday, whether you're making a Fred Meyer Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Fred Meyer has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Fred Meyer, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Fred Meyer, fresh for everyone.